Yeah, and I think the other piece that I don't want to say we're dancing around, but it's this piece at work that doesn't come into play. And while it may not be popular, it's talking about feelings. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian Rollo, and I am so happy that you are here with me today for a special episode of Lead with Impact. We are going to be jumping into part two of our Leadership Sense series. In part one, we talked about how leaders can care for their people. Today, we're going to be talking about how leaders can help the people that work for them move from overwhelm to productivity and how they can help themselves move from overwhelm to productivity. And I'm going to be having this conversation with two consultants I really like and respect, Joelle Monaco and Tom Shin. Joelle is the founder of Joelle Monaco Consulting. She has over 10 years in organizational development and extensive experience in planning, directing, and training enhancements for both employee and organizational success. Tom is an engagement and culture enthusiast with 25 years of leadership, management, sales, and human resource management experience. And he is the creator and founder of Build Better Culture, an organization built around helping organizations find their sweet spot between their employees and their company values. And I am Brian Rollo of Brian Rollo Consulting. And I'm really looking forward to this. As much as I love the episodes where I talk to guests about all sorts of different things, this gives me a chance to talk about what I'm really passionate about and to share that conversation with people who have similar philosophies and a lot of very interesting things to say. So I'm looking forward to this. If you want to learn about moving from overwhelm to productivity, this is your episode. So let me ask you to start with, Joelle, what is slowing people down at work right now? I think it could potentially be a few things, right? Um, I think given our current situation, a lot of us are working from home, just a lack of routine, right? And we know a lot of people are like myself, without that routine, there's really no structure, accountability. And obviously, when you're feeling overwhelmed, that impacts your productivity. And then the one that I always say is, Come on, we're in the economy of more is more, and sometimes we're just trying to do too much, too. Um, and I think, you know, we know we're not great multitaskers, so the more we do, the more we can over- feel overwhelmed, which directly impacts our productivity. Tom, what do you think? I think she hit the nail on the head. I think the other piece of that is that a lot of people these days are being slowed down uh, willingly in their new lives. Kids at home have the force to be from home, but being able to pick and choose whether it's, you know, let the dog out or, you know, instead of going to the water cooler for 
this or that and the other for 10 minutes, they're walking around the block. You know, I hear folks all the time. They have every hour in the hour, they take two, three minutes, walk around the block, stretch their legs. And so, you know, it's allowing folks to slow down, you know, uh, on the uh, just general flow approach from a productivity piece. It may even be increasing their output. 100%. Um, because sometimes when you slow down, you get those creative juices going. And then you do more with less. The other thing that I was thinking about in reference to this is the new anxiety that we're facing as people are moving back away from being at home and being asked to come back to the workplace. And I know that is going to be causing its own form of anxiety. Yeah. And what have you seen on that front, Brian? You know, have, have you talked to anybody specifically that's kind of told you, hey, worried about this, worried about that? I know people are, first of all, first and foremost, still worried about being sick. And the pandemic is certainly real, whether it's fast or slower as we are recording this, depends on who you listen to. But that does not mean that does not give people real anxiety as they're being asked to come back and work in workplaces that, by the way, weren't necessarily designed to keep people six feet apart during the pandemic. That just carries its own form of anxiety. I don't, what are your thoughts on that, Joelle? I was going to say a lot of those uncertainties, right? Like we just don't know. And, you know, we transitioned into remote working really quickly for most of us, you know, always one day you're in the office, the next day it's like the fire drill, get all your stuff and leave. Um, And just that uncertainty of what is next, I think makes people feel really overwhelmed, but also kind of to the point we talked about, people are settling into that routine and now you're going to have that upheaval where you're going to have to recreate that routine and also think about, I mean, I'm fortunate enough, I have myself to re- be responsible for, but we have a lot of working individuals that are caregivers, whether it be of a family member, a child, and, you know, feeling overwhelmed of how am I going to be a caregiver and be expected to be back in the office or how does that dynamic, you know, really work and am I going to be able to do what I need to do and you know, kind of where does that productivity piece come in and am I too overwhelmed to focus? An interesting thought process there when you bring people back into a a nine to five per se, now they've had three months of change, they've adapted to it, they've they've come up with a new workflow, now you're throwing them back in the old. Is there going to be a spike in productivity or is it going to go down? Is there engagement with that going to go up or down? I'm really interested to see, I was speaking with another cohort about journaling now versus down the road. What's this all going to look like? How are we going to look back? What sort of metrics are going to be there for us to reflect upon? I was talking to a colleague a couple days ago, and um, she was reflecting with one of her colleagues, and they actually found uh, the leader was a little apprehensive to working remote. And before this happened, was like, no, we could never work remote. And this happened obviously happened. Everybody had to go remote on her team and she actually saw higher results than when they're actually in the office. So, you know, it's also interesting to see, you know, results on either end. What is it going to look like when we go back? And then our employer is going to be like, wait a minute, we did better when we were remote. Let's go back. I think that's so important to well because remote working gave people a degree of autonomy that they might not otherwise have been granted. And lo and behold, what happens if they're better with that level of autonomy? And now we're bringing them back. Are we taking that autonomy away? Do the leaders have to change how they lead? 
Those are all really important questions, and I think the uncertainty around that and the direction that leaders and organizations might travel can certainly be anxiety-inducing. Yeah, and I think there's anxiety amongst managers, too, that, you know, Brian and you and I have talked a number of times about the employee side of it, but the managers are anxious, too. How do they press those buttons? How do they deal with the, the employees that, I don't want to say refuse to come back, but there's a lot of pushback and angst for a number of the stressors that we mentioned before. How is the manager learning how to cope with all this? Well, and Tom, you said it, right? The manager, and I always say this, as a leader, you're kind of in between, right? You're getting direction from the top, but you're trying to have to influence the people that you lead. And so you've kind of got it coming from both avenues to feeling that overwhelming of the expectation above, but also to Brian's point, giving the autonomy to your team so that they feel engaged, creative, and they're able to take part. The other piece to that is that these managers have their own situations too. They have their own kids who have, they have to figure out how to educate <laughs> and their own family situations and their own fears about the pandemic. And so they have to navigate that personally while still putting on that leadership, taking on that leadership role for everyone else. And that certainly can be a stressor. Yeah, the thing that comes to mind for a visual, if you're a Big Bang Theory, is that three-dimensional chess that Sheldon and and uh, Leonard would play with the three levels and the pieces going in all sorts of different... I'm like, what just happened? So that's what I'm visualizing with this manager above and below kind of combination that's coming at us. So let me throw this out to you, Tom. What happens when we're overwhelmed? If we come to work, we don't deal with that anxiety. How does that show up? Well, you know, you and I are big culture talk people. We talk about shadows. I think the shadows come out. Um, I think you start to see folks who become burnt out. That, that's the big one. Uh, when you have a burnout employee, it's a ripple effect, especially if they're a leader, because then that's going to trickle down to their employees. If they're in, a, say, a cluster of, uh, of a team, that whole project could implode. Maybe they miss a key deadline. Maybe they miss some key element. Maybe they're just, you know, miss something that's going to cause things to go awry. So, yeah, implosion is, is probably the best thing I could think of here as far as a phrase. Yeah, I was going to say, Tommy, you took the words out of my mouth, but it's I when I think of this, you know, when someone gets overwhelmed on a team, it's not an individual problem. I really say it's an organizational challenge. Um, and it's something that leadership and individuals need to be aware of because you talked about it, the organizational strain. It ultimately ties right back to burnout. So you're talking about creativity, productivity, and the quality. And I would throw this out too. I do know enough about humans that it's very easy for us, especially when we are anxious to go into fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Joel, you mm-hmm. probably know more about this than I do. But yeah. it puts these chemicals into our bodies and that could help us maybe if we needed to lift a car off of someone, someone or we needed to get in a fist fight to defend ourselves or we needed to run away really fast. But it's certainly not great for teamwork, not great for any sort of creative thinking. And I think those are real tolls on the workplace that can show up even if people are physically coming into work every day. Yeah, and you kind of said it, those high levels of cortisol, they impact your body in all different ways. So, you know, you're thinking about productivity as an employer, but you're also thinking about sleep, accidents, you know, occupational safety. Like if 
people are feeling overwhelmed or anxious, it impacts, you know, so many other aspects of our life than just our ability to show up and be productive. And so how do people get unstuck? If someone's listening to this right now and they're either that leader trying to help the people that they're leading, or maybe they are just the person who's trying to fit in better to the workplace while still dealing with all of this, how do they get unstuck? I kind of laugh. I'm trying to figure this out every day. Uh, but, you know, I think it's taking the time to refocus and, you know, taking a step back and looking at things from a wider perspective. And that might mean like disconnecting, taking the night off to do something that you enjoy. Um, a lot of times I find if I'm stuck in a project or I'm feeling overwhelmed at work, I might, you know, listen to an audiobook, read a book, listen to a podcast. So then that way I can kind of get outside of that. And then it also gets my mind flowing in a different way. Um, Cause I think, you know, it's that thing of if you just keep hammering the nail, you're not going to make it very far. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back and use a different tool. I look at it from the standpoint of that uh, you get the email that doesn't hit you the right way. You want to fire back that snarky remark and, you know, it's wait till the next day. Make sure you don't hit reply to all. Think about it. Get some context. Play a game with your family. Do something that you enjoy with your family that's going to de-stress you and then come back to it tomorrow. You know, for all of what we do, it's, you know, for most folks, we're not in surgery. We're not building the next SpaceX rocket, right? So it can wait a day. It can wait a thought. You can calm down, find a level way to communicate, whether it's pulling that thing or person aside to get unstuck with and having a collaborative conversation or working with your leader and, and finding a way to kind of build a new road. I would throw out a couple of things too. First of all, my motto, and I've mentioned this before, is just take the next right step. And sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed because we see the goal and it is so far away and we almost don't know where to start. So mm -hmm. we don't start. And for me, there's just that mindset of, I don't necessarily have to solve it all today, like Tom says, but let's just sort of do something to get the ball rolling and get a little momentum. And then on the more practical side, I would throw out that I think time management is really important and just have a good schedule. Put the important things of your day on a schedule. So you're sort of forcing yourself to move into these, move in and out of these tasks, even if you're not comfortable because I know with myself, and I think I'm not the only one, a lot of times if I have the choice between comfort and discomfort, it's very easy to choose comfort. But when I make it a little bit harder for myself because I have a schedule, because I have something that I know I have to uh, stay in tune with, helps me keep moving forward. It's going to say we'll avoid what we don't want to do all day long, right? I, you know, I can procrastinate for years, but on something simple, but to your point, when there's the accountability behind it, you know, and the time for self, you know, taking time for yourself to really be creative, that accountability is really what, you know, allows you to overcome certain objections or certain stressors that might be um, preventing you from that creativity or that productivity too. Yeah, and I think the other piece that we're kind of, I don't want to say we're dancing around, but it's this, this piece at work that doesn't come into play. And while it may not be popular, it's talking about feelings. Like, I feel offended that you said this. I feel angry that this happened. Instead of, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? 
you know? And so mm-hmm. having these discussions now where hopefully leaders can engage into a conversation or an individual can engage in a conversation of, I want to tell you how I feel. I'm going to let you go first. Work project decide. Let's have an open discussion. Agree to disagree, whatever it needs to look like, but I want to put this on the table. And get to that point is tough, but if first thing in the morning you do the most uncomfortable thing, you're ready to go. It's like having the workout clothes by the side of the bed so that you go to the gym in the morning. Exactly. And I would throw into that just the concept, too, of being very proactive with that. And again, just taking the initiative to put yourself in that realm of discomfort. As Joel said, and you said very well, it doesn't come easily for any of us, but to me, momentum is huge. Just getting that momentum because what's that? that's the saying, objects that are not in motion tend to stay not in motion. And so it's just so easy to say, stay stuck. We don't take that initiative to move forward. So let me ask you a personal question. Let me ask both of you. Who is your motivator or the person that you bounce things off of for reassurance? How do they help? So my, my sounding board has always been my wife. Um, it's great because we have two different perspectives and two different realms. So we each have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of almost every work environment, every situation. And it creates a sounding board for us to say, is that how you really feel or is this what's really happening? And so you get a chance to basically dissect, much like 10th grade biology, don't get gross here, uh, dissect whatever the situation is, whatever the scenario is. Am I overreacting or how am I thinking about this? Sometimes you just need someone to say, yeah, I agree with you. They're being a bunglehead or, hey, have you thought about maybe they're stressed or maybe this is going on? And so it's quick to pull the trigger on something you're angry about. But when you have a sounding board, whether it's a close friend or family member, it it makes such a difference in being able to walk through and seeing how it would be to be in that other person's shoes. Yeah, and I would I would definitely, you know, second that and go off of it a little bit more because sometimes, you know, I I have a long list of the people I'll go to for certain things, but I'm also the person where I'm like, I choose multiples, right? Like I choose like somebody I know that's gonna really give me the the hard talk of like, well take 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 a step back and reassess. And then I kind of give the person in the middle and get different perspectives too, because, you know, how I perceive it and Tom, how you said, you know, we all see different things. Well, we've all experienced different things. So I have a different, you know, group of people that I'm pulling from and even talking through it and sharing it or sharing what I'm feeling or what I experienced or how I'm feeling overwhelmed multiple times also allows myself the personal sounding board to hear what I'm saying and kind of process it in a different way. So, you know, we're all different types of learners and I'm definitely conversational. So even hearing myself tell the story or tell the example and being in an interactive conversation where there's back and forth, it allows me a different way to process the information and maybe think of different ideas even on my own that I wouldn't have thought or get that opportunity to um, hear from multiple perspectives. So then when I do have a conversation or I do move forward with that momentum, to your point, Brian, I'm kind of doing it in the consideration of a wider network. It's not just from my purpose or from someone else's perspective. Now, let's bring it back around to help our listeners, specifically those listeners who have leadership roles. And to your point, Tom, I think we've sort of skirted around this issue. 
But what can they do? If they have a team of people that's reporting to them, and they know those people are dealing with some anxiety issues or um, overwhelm, how do they help those people that work for them? And Joe, I'd love to throw this out to you first. Yeah, this is one of the things I say, lead by example, be the leader you would want to follow, right? And Tom talked about it. And I think so many times we do skirt around it. And, or, I mean, I know years past you say, hey, how are things going? And you're like, okay, you're just expecting them to say good and move on. But to Tom's point, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when you start a conversation or ask how somebody's doing, listen more for like the tone and, you know, the words they're using, not necessarily what they're saying to, because I know, especially being virtual, I've had to take a little bit more notice in when I'm talking to me, what tone are they using? What types of words are they using? Because that might tell me there's more, more things going on and then leading with some more questions to say, you know, tell me more, what else is going on? How can I help? Um, and the other pieces, I think, as a leader, being transparent, um, you know, being out front of like, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed, like this is what I'm going through and not necessarily to be comparative, but maybe you share it on a meeting where you're being totally transparent and then people feel more open to also when you present that idea and that open that conversation, they're more likely to talk to you about it because they're like, okay, you're experiencing it too. I don't have this fear of talking to you about it. Um, but yeah, I'll send it over, Tom. <laughs> yeah, so many thoughts pop in and out from what you said, Joelle. I'm, you know, I'm trying to visualize, you know, how to set the table with different employees, and it's going to be different for each one. Some of them are much more emotionally aware; I can talk about feelings and share what they're experiencing. But then I think of, you know, it's like when you have the fight with a significant other. How are you? Fine. You know, you have those responses, and so you have employees who are very mindful. There are some that choose their words very carefully. I know when I'm deep in thought on things, I'm very careful about my words, you know, almost overly. And so, as to your point, Joelle, about listening to key words and how people phrase things, not exactly just the words, but how they're used, it can have such an impact on that manager taking the time to say, hear what you're saying tell me more. It sounds like this. Tell me more. Explain to me what that feels like. And that some managers are more uh, more prepared to have those conversations. I would hope that there's more training and development on that area. Just They don't need to be the expert, but they just need to be maybe 5 or 10% more comfortable to jump into that conversation and open themselves up for that vulnerability conversation. Do they want the person crying on their shoulder? Probably not, but you know, sometimes you got to take one for the team, as they say. To the point of, remember, we're all human, right? Like, none of us leave our baggage at the door. And when we're talking about overwhelmed, I feel like anybody can feel overwhelmed any day, too. From my perspective, I agree with all of that. I would also throw out, this is a perfect time for leaders to be very conscious of their emotional bank accounts they have with each of their team members because hopefully they've established a level of trust up to this point that will allow them to really be effective in helping people. If they have it, we have to go back and earn that trust because no one's going to open up to them without it. So it's that concept of that emotional bank account being in the positive, being in the black in that emotional bank account so you can start, so you earn the right to be able to help people. 
where they have that trust. And then the other thing I would throw out is when I talk to leaders all the time, especially leaders who are struggling, I ask them how often they speak to their employees. And one of the phrases I hear a lot is, well, I have an open door. They can come in whenever they want. But most people will not do that. Most people, that is a level of discomfort to walk through that open door, unless you've already built a really strong emotional bank account. So my advice would be take that open door and walk out of it and go find the people that you lead and come to them and then just do what you guys are talking about. You know, Find out what's really on their minds. You don't have to solve all those problems, but if you can listen, it would go a long way. Yeah. You know, and you're a hundred percent right. Like, you know, I always, I love when people say we have an open door policy. I'm like, but the open door doesn't allow people the, you know, safety to feel like they can just be open and talk about things and be vulnerable without the, you know, repercussions or will this impact my ability to get a promotion, right? A lot of people think if they give that vulnerability of I can't handle stress or I become, I'm overwhelmed, Will this inhibit me from having, you know, a certain opportunity later down the line? So, you know, kind of also, I think, keeping the ground level to say, you know, we're all experiencing things. We're all, you know, going through things and I'm here to talk. Here's what I, you know, here's what's going on. Here's available. Um, Because I think, too, leaders often don't know what their organization provides as services um, and, you know, talking more about that. But I always say, treat your employees like you would want them to treat your customers or your clients, and, you know, we always talk about that, you know, customer service, but what about the employee experience? And if you focus, like you said, open door on employee experience and really engaging people, I think you help with that feeling of overwhelmed and ultimately impact that productivity line, too. The thought comes into my head, Tina Fey and her book, Bossy Pants. I know that ties into leadership development and training and management so well. She talks about uh, a conversation she had with Lauren Green when she was an executive producer and how his advice to her is don't hire anybody you wouldn't want to hang out with until 2 a.m. at 2 in the morning, right? It's a little bit different in their world because they're talking Saturday Night Live and they're up at that hour. But the, the gist is that if the team that you have, you brought on, you hired, maybe you inherited them, but you're working with them because you admire and respect them. So if you're going to take it to that level, think of it like the perspective of, yeah, I would hang out with you at 2 in the morning. And oftentimes there are things that are said at 2 in the morning that you probably wouldn't say at 9 or 10. So be open to hearing some of that stuff because it's going to come out at some level or another. And if you open the door and lead with something of your own, hey, you know, can I share something with you? And it may be a planted thought but it'll open things up and make that person so much more comfortable and welcome. So that open door policy, I've seen it work. I've had that policy, but I also was one to go out and hit the floor, talk to the folks, make them say, okay, well, why don't you come and see me at 930? We'll talk about this a little bit more in depth. So that way they know there's give and take, and that's what they want. And that wraps up Leadership Sense 2. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Joelle, Tom, and I have a lot more to talk about We will be getting together again over the next several weeks to talk about more of these issues. So stay tuned to more Leadership Sense episodes along with more of your regularly scheduled Lead with Impact episodes because I have a lot of great people to talk to there as well. That will wrap it up for today. Until next time, go out there, 
be great and lead with impact.